Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we'll answer on each podcast as we get our heart and mind on Jesus. All scriptures quoted are from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And again, Happy New Year. 2022. This year's going to be a little different, at least for our Sunday gatherings. So I want you to relax. All of you who are online, relax. All of you who are here, kick back, get comfortable in your seat. We're going to have a good Bible study. We're going to be looking at the life of Christ. And thank you, Michael, for kicking it off with that excellent insight on the life of Jesus. In reading the New Testament chronologically, you're going to notice that Luke has a lot to say before the actual birth of Christ occurs. He's a thorough investigator, as we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. You know, he gives us a backstory to consider before writing about Jesus himself. And he highlights two things before he gets into the actual ministry of Christ. He first talks about the announcement of John the baptizer and also the announcement of Jesus. So that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 25. So if you want to open your Bibles and go there, Luke chapter 1, we're going to read it in God's Word translation. That's the translation I'm reading this year, so that's the one I'm going to be quoting from. So we're going to start in verse 5, where it says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the division of priests named after Abijah. Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth had God's approval. They followed all the Lord's commands and regulations perfectly. Yet, they never had any children because Elizabeth couldn't become pregnant. Both of them were too old to have children. Zechariah was on duty with his division of priests. As he served in God's presence, he was chosen by priestly custom to go into the Lord's temple to burn incense. All the people were praying outside while he was burning incense. Then, to the right of the incense altar, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Zechariah was troubled and overcome with fear. The angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son, and you will name him John. He will be your pride and joy, and many people will be glad he was born. As far as the Lord is concerned, he will be a great man. He will never drink wine or any other liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring many people in Israel back to the Lord their God. He will go ahead of the Lord with the spirit and power that Elijah had. He will change parents' attitudes toward their children. He will change disobedient people so that they will accept the wisdom of those who have God's approval. In this way, he will prepare the people for their Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, what proof is there for this? I'm an old man and my wife is beyond her childbearing years. The angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. 
I stand in God's presence. God sent me to tell you this good news. But because you didn't believe what I said, you will be unable to talk until the day this happens. Everything will come true at the right time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were amazed that he was staying in the temple so long. When he did come out, he was unable to speak to them. So they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. He motioned to them, but remained unable to talk. When the days of his service were over, he went home. Later, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and didn't go out in public for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me now. He has removed my public disgrace. So we get to see here quite a few amazing things happen. We've got to remember that this is happening for around 400 years after Malachi. So for 400 years, nobody had heard anything from the Lord. There had been no visions. There had been no miracles. There had been no appearances. So for 400 years, they had gotten used to this. So imagine now Zechariah receiving this vision from God and the people hearing about it. So there was a buzz created about all of this. And when we look at Zechariah, we notice that him and Elizabeth were people who had God's approval. That's God's word translation way of translating righteousness, which means God's approval. They did the right thing. So they had God's approval. And they were descendants of Aaron, actually, both of them. They were Levites. Gabriel appears to Zechariah while he is serving near the most holy places. It was a very coveted service to do for the priests because they got to go into the holy place and minister before the most holy place. Not go in there because only the high priest could do that once a year. But the altar of incense, if you remember, was right in front of the curtains that covered the most holy place where the cherubim were embroidered in the curtain right there. So Zechariah was in there serving. And so that was a very priv privileged place to be, burning incense to the Lord. And so then now Gabriel appears to the right of the altar. Only two angels are named, by the way, in the Bible, Gabriel and Michael. And how did Zechariah respond? Well, usually when people see angels, in the, in the scriptures, they were terrified. Must be a very terrifying sight to all of a sudden see this appearance. And what's the first thing that angels say right after that? Don't be afraid. They always say the same thing because they figured, gosh, I, I almost scared this person to death. I almost scared them into, an, into a heart attack. But he says, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. What an amazing thing to be greeted by an angel that's telling you, hey, God has heard your prayers. Isn't that that's amazing. I mean, he must, have, he must have felt good. He was still a little troubled, right? So what does Gabriel tell Zechariah? He gives him tremendous news. Uh, and not just for Zechariah, but this was something bigger than Zechariah, bigger than him. He was to have this son in his old age. Now, they were way past the age of childbearing. So I don't know, maybe he was 60, 70 years old. Imagine you being 60 or 70 and then being told by an angel that you're going to have a child. You know, that, that's something, right? Uh, but he says he will be your pride and joy. So this was going to be a very different kind of child. And the angel says many people would be glad that he is born. So he was going to affect many, many people. And the Lord's opinion, the Lord says he's going to be a great man. 
So maybe other people wouldn't think that, but according to God, this boy that was going to be born was going to be a great man. And we know because Jesus later on quotes, he says that no one born from woman was greater than John the baptizer. Jesus will say that. And then he adds, he says, but who's going to be greater than him? Anybody who's born into God's kingdom. <laughs> so that's something for us to think later on. He also says that he would have the Holy Spirit since birth. Now, that didn't happen too often. We only know of a few people that actually had the Holy Spirit since birth. And we notice here that he was not going to have any kind of alcohol. And perhaps we're not told this, but this goes along with the tradition of being a Nazarite, which was someone that was dedicated to the Lord from birth. So none of them, like Samson, for example, he was a Nazarite. And guess what? The angels told his parents that he was going to have a child too. So it's very similar to, to this interaction here. So he, John probably had long hair that he never cut as well because of this Nazarite vow. And he, uh, the angel tells him that this young man, John, was going to bring back many people to the Lord. He is the promised Elijah that was to come. He's going to come in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. So we're going to have some prophecies being fulfilled here. After 400 years of silence, all of a sudden, boom, we get this big announcement. It was customary in, in the ancient Near East that a royal representative, such as a king, would be previewed or someone would go ahead of him to prepare the way for his visit. So if there would be a royal king visiting somebody, some royal dignitaries would be sent before him to kind of prepare the place. In today's day and age, you could think of, of the, uh, uh, who are the people that protect the president? The Secret Service, right? Before the president goes to visit someplace, there's a swarm of Secret Service agents that go ahead of him to prepare the place, maybe in a different way, but, but to make sure there's no uh, nothing funny going on. And then, you know, the president comes. So this was something similar. God was sending John ahead of Jesus to prepare the way for the Lord. Now, how does Zechariah respond to this? Of course, we know he was troubled. He was startled by, by this vision of this angel. But he was like, you know, probably looking at himself, maybe the way Abraham did when God told him he was also going to have a son. And it's like, do you have any proof of this? You know, I want proof. He says he demanded proof. So maybe he doubted the angel a bit. And Gabriel responds. Gabriel is like, hey, hey, I am Gabriel. What does that mean? Maybe Zechariah didn't know what that meant. But Gabriel is saying, I stand before the Lord. I wouldn't come tell you a story here. I'm coming to tell you true things. And the proof of that was that Zechariah was now going to be unable to speak until uh, John was born. So he was mute for nine months, at least until the baby was born. He was not able to speak all that time. So that was kind of like a sign, both for Zechariah, because he didn't believe it. And also for the rest of the people that something was going to happen here. After that, we get another announcement, two huge announcements, one right behind the other. This time we're going to continue reading now from Luke chapter 1, verse 26, all the way to verse 38. So if you can read with me, I'm reading from God's Word translation. It says, six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, 
The angel went to a virgin, promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel entered her home, he greeted her and said, You are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. She was startled by what the angel said and tried to figure out what this greeting meant. The angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. He will be a great man and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child developing inside you will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said she couldn't have a child, but nothing is impossible for God. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. So now we see uh, another announcement, but to someone very different than Zechariah. Mary, about 15 or 16 in age. So think about this, you young people being 15, 16 years old in a very unimportant city, the city of Nazareth. Might as well, you know, think of a very unimportant city. That's where she was from. Nobody knew Nazareth. Matter of fact, in the maps of old, uh, when you study uh, Flavius Josephus, one of the greatest Jewish historians, and also some of the commentators of the Talmud, they mention every major important city in Jerusalem, but they never mentioned Nazareth because it was so insignificant. It doesn't even appear in the literature. So here we have this girl, and six months later, the announcements were six months apart, she receives this awesome announcement. Now, Mary, notice, was a descendant of David. Here it mentions that her husband, Joseph, was one as well. But I'm going to get into some interesting genealogy in a little bit. She was a descendant of David as well. So notice Gabriel's greeting to her. You who are favored by the Lord. In the NIV, it'll say, you who are highly esteemed, highly favored, esteemed. There was only other, one other person in the scriptures that was ever greeted that way. You know who? Daniel. The prophet Daniel was the only other one who received such a greeting. You who are highly esteemed. Wow. So Mary, like Zechariah, is startled. I mean, who wouldn't be the appearance of an angel? A normal reaction as Zechariah also. But notice how Mary was a, a thinking woman. You know, she pondered. In her head at that moment, what is, what is he trying to say? You know, hey, are you talking to someone else? Is someone else behind me here? You're, you're talking to me? See, she just didn't react emotionally. She really gave that greeting some thought. She probably was wondering, I'm a poor virgin. How are you talking to me about these grandiose things that are going over my head, but he tells her some amazing good news. First of all, of course, he says, don't be afraid. As angels usually say, you have found favor with God. And that's all I need to hear. So if an angel is going to visit me, all I need to hear is you have found favor with God. I'm good with that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everything else is, 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 is a plus. She hears that she's going to give birth to Jesus. 
that he will be a great man. That's an understatement because then he says he will be called the son of the most high. Whoa, who is this that's going to be born? He's going to inherit the throne of David. He's going to be king of Jacob's people and his kingdom will never end. Now imagine you being a poor peasant girl with no ties whatsoever to any kind of royalty and hearing the news from an angel that your son's going to be king and that his kingdom will never end. I mean, that's enough to blow you away. So she really pondered, what kind of greeting must this be that the angel is giving me? Mary or anyone else hearing this news would probably think that the kingdom of Israel would be restored to its former glory. That would be the common conclusion. Don't you agree? So Mary's response, how can this be? <laughs> how is this possible? Uh, yeah, Jesus will be great. Probably uh, Mary probably didn't comprehend any more than that. She was just probably thinking, I'm a virgin. Uh, how, how is this going to be? How am I going to have a kid? I didn't get past that announcement yet. And you're telling me all these other things that are happening. It wasn't necessarily doubting because the angel Gabriel didn't respond the same way Zechariah did. Gabriel noticed Zechariah really doubted that these things could be so. But Mary's response was not out of doubt. She was probably just curious as to how is this going to go down? <laughs> I want to know because notice how she answers at the end what she says at the end after Gabriel says to her, look, God's power is going to come over you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you so that the baby born would be called the son of God. So this would be a virgin birth part of the sign, part of the prophetic sign we read in Isaiah of the Messiah. So she got her answer. It was something that was going to happen before she would become Joseph's wife, before they would live together and actually have relations. And maybe Mary didn't think of it at the time, or maybe she did because she was a thinking woman. She was So she was probably calculating, uh-oh, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> it's not going to be well received by my family because I... I am not going to be with my husband just yet, so hmm, how is this going to go down? She was probably thinking those things, and she was a thinking woman. She would deal with that later. Right now, she probably had to wrap her head around the fact that she was going to be the mother of God's son. As the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. So Mary's final conclusion to all this is, I love her answer here. This is a great example for all of us. And especially for us young people, because Mary was a young lady. And she answers, I am the Lord's servant. Let all that you have said happen to me. What a humble response. What a faith-filled response. This should be our response when we trust the word of God, when we hear the word of God, trusting what happens in our life, believing that everything that happens around us is God-appointed. So what are some practicals that we can get from these announcements that we just read here? Before I get into the practicals, I'd like to mention that as we are examining the character of Mary and Zechariah, th this kind of study is called a character study. When we do this, when we take a person in the Bible and we say, well, let's see what we can learn from this person's response, from this person's actions or reactions. We call that a character study study. It's one of the four strategies that we can use when studying the Bible. Some other uh, strategies are expository studies, thematic, and narrative Bible studies. 
Uh, the character study, like we're doing this afternoon, we're centering on one or more characters. We're studying their response, their convictions, their interactions, how they reacted to God's calling. An expository study would be a verse-by-verse -verse Bible study to extrapolate truths relating to cultural backgrounds, relating to doctrine, relating to context. And when you listen to the Bible in a year, even if you're just listening to the Bible in a year, in a way, it's a bit of an expository study because you're listening to the Bible verse by verse. If you're reading the Bible throughout in, in a year, also you're doing something like this. A thematic study is kind of like what we've done in the past in Wednesday night Bible class where we take a topic and we go and see what the Bible has to say about this theme or about this topic to understand certain doctrinal truths about it. And last but not least, the narrative study. Uh, we seek to find context in this kind of study. We study a narrative, a parable. It's kind of like what our brother Rob did last Sunday, uh, a narrative. He did a narrative expository sermon uh, last Sunday in the technical sense of the word. And we're looking to find uh, the context and extrapolate some derivatives from that context to understand what this passage is trying to teach or understand a character, a situation, an event, a doctrinal truth. So when someone teaches a lesson or preaches, they're basically engaging in one or more of these approaches together. As I said to you today, we're going to do a character study on Zechariah and Mary. We can notice what what character God is seeking from Zechariah and from Mary's interactions. Now, we know that these two characters did nothing to deserve the good news that they got, or did they? You know, God chose them for a particular reason, and we can ponder why. We might not find the reason why. We'd have to ask God about that. But we can learn some things about them by how they respond and why not? what kind of people the Bible said that they were. For example, when we look at Zechariah, we knew that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, the word of God tells us that they had God's approval, meaning they did what was right. This was a couple that was faithful to the word of God, that was faithful to the law of Moses, and did everything to please the Lord. That was their aim in their life, to please God. Even though Zechariah was troubled by the angel's appearance and overcome with fear, the angel told him that God had heard his prayer. So that's very calming. That must have been very soothing for him. God listens to us, brothers and sisters. We don't necessarily need an angel today to appear and tell us this. We must believe that. The scriptures teach us that we must believe that when we ask God or when we seek him out in prayer, he hears us. This is something that to us as Christians, as members of the kingdom of God, we should really hold this truth dearly. Uh, he was an earnest and an honest man. Zechariah didn't play religion. He didn't play church. We know that because the scriptures tell us that he aimed to please God. He had God's approval. Maybe the years had hardened him a little bit. You know, maybe he doubted the angel's message. You know, that sometimes happens to us. Old fogies, you know, we, we've been through life, you know, we, we might get a little bitter here. But God was gentle with him. He gave him a gentle rebuke. Okay, you know, you're not going to speak for nine months. <laughs> that's, a, that's a gentle rebuke there for Zechariah. Uh, and his muteness was like a reminder to him every single day. He probably must have thought, 
God is real. God is good. <laughs> Things could have gone much worse here. God took it easy on me. As the mother of Jesus, as the mother of God's son, the Lord chose a young maiden from a backwater town. <laughs> Mary, probably around 15 or 16 years old, already betrothed. That was customary back then, you know. The parents probably arranged marriages, even before some children were born. It's like, you know, us parents, we get together and we say, okay, my son's going to marry your daughter. Your daughter's going to marry my son. We're all going to plan it out, okay? Some of us have actually done that. So they had, that was the cultural thing, and that was okay. That was customary. She had never been with a man because even though she was betrothed, the actual wedding or marriage didn't take place until later. And here's the interesting thing, see, we understand that Joseph was a descendant of David. Luke tells us that in Luke chapter 1, verse 27. Matthew, when he gives us his genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew, he traces the genealogy all the way to Joseph, from David to Joseph, kind of proving to the Jews, look, this is the lineage uh, from Joseph. But we know, though, that, well, Joseph wasn't really Jesus's father. <laughs> he was his stepdad. And by law, by Jewish law, he still had the rights of that inheritance, of that genealogy, even though Joseph was his stepdad. But Luke, being the scientist and the investigator, he decides to give us a different genealogy, one that had puzzled Bible scholars for some time. Uh, Luke's genealogy, since Luke is writing to the Greeks, he's not necessarily writing to the Jews, it's presented from the lineage of Mary, from the mother's lineage, which is a Greek perspective. Matthew wrote to the Jews, Luke wrote to the Greeks. So Matthew's genealogy emphasizes Jesus' claim to the throne of David. But Luke's readers, they were less concerned about fulfillments of Jewish prophecies. So his genealogy focuses on Jesus' descent from God, because Luke goes all the way back to Adam, all the way back to God. It places no emphasis on Jesus being a descendant of David. However, you, we will see that he, the genealogy that he does present comes from Mary. And when we trace that genealogy, we see that actually, yes, Mary was also a descendant of David. So whichever way that you go, Jesus has a claim to the throne of David. Even though Jesus was a legal descendant to Joseph, he was not a physical descendant. So Luke's genealogy directly addresses this issue. Uh, as Luke says in Luke 3.23, supposedly the son of Joseph, people had assumed perhaps that Joseph was the biological father when he was not. So when you read both genealogies in Matthew and in Luke, you're like, wait a minute, they're in disagreement. You know, who Who's the father of Joseph? Because Matthew tells us that the father of Joseph is uh, someone else. It says that he was the son of Jacob, but Luke says he was the son of Heli. So he clearly didn't have two, two parents. But after much study and some enlightening things from the Jerusalem Talmud, uh, we understand that Mary was the daughter of Heli. That was Mary's dad. So Joseph was Heli's son-in-law. So Luke could rightfully call Joseph the son of Heli because he was his son-in-law. That was in compliance with how we understand that wording son of at that time. So designating Joseph as 
Heli's son-in-law has also scriptural precedence. So both, boom, point to David, a very interesting way to reconcile those two different genealogies that we read there. From Luke chapter 1, verse 30, we also understand and see that Mary was highly favored by God as well and greeted in this way as Daniel was greeted in Daniel chapter 10, verse 19. Highly esteemed, favored by God. She may not have had the years of maturity that Zechariah had, but interestingly still her character was very well known by God to receive such a salutation from an angel, you who are highly favored. We also notice that Mary was a thinker. She, she was a ponderer. She thought about things. So this tells us that she, didn't, she wasn't a person who typically reacted or, or reacted emotionally in certain situations, but she thought deeply on things, as in the example we, we read here in Luke chapter 1, trying to figure out what kind of greeting is this? You who are highly esteemed, what is he talking about? What is he saying? You know, she was pondering that. She was not an impulsive person, but she pondered and thought about things deeply. In Luke chapter 2, verse 16 through 19, we read, they went quickly, found Mary and Joseph with the baby who was lying in the manger. This is talking about the shepherds. After the shepherds received the announcement, they go and see Mary. And when they saw the child, they repeated to Mary and Joseph all they had heard the angels tell them. And everyone who heard the shepherd's story was amazed. And it says in verse 19, Mary treasured all these things in her heart and always thought about them. She was a ponderer. She liked to ponder and think deeply on these amazing things that God was telling her. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, incidentally, the story when Jesus got left behind in Jerusalem, after the whole thing was over, we read here in verse 51, Jesus returned with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And what does it say about his mother? His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Even though Jesus almost gave her a heart attack, <laughs> uh, she still treasured and was amazed at how Jesus responded and pondered about these things. So Mary's reaction to the angel Gabriel's message was not in doubt, but in curiosity. It was very different than Zechariah's reaction. Mary saw herself, as, as we read in Luke 138, a servant of God. And she says, let everything you've said happen to me. What a humble and deferent response we get from this young girl. Now to think about it. You know, we got a contrast here, uh, two, uh, two messages for two different people. Remember that the word here for servant in the Greek is doule, which is the female form of doulos, bond servant. It means slave. It means under rower. Remember, we gave the example of the guys who were on the bottom of the ship, just rowing to the beat of a drum, lower than a slave, doulos. And Mary says that, that's what I am. I am the Lord's bond servant. Even Elizabeth told Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 45, she said, you are blessed for believing that the Lord would keep his promise to you. What an affirmation she got from her cousin. You are blessed because you believe what God told you. What an affirmation. 
And not just that, but later on in the song of praise that follows the account of her visiting uh, Elizabeth, Mary will say in what is known as the Magnificat in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 49, she says, my soul praises the Lord's greatness. My spirit finds its joy in God, my Savior, because he has looked favorably on me, his humble servant. From now on, all people will call me blessed because the Almighty has done great things to me. And even though she did receive a warning that her heart would be pierced when she went to take her baby boy to be dedicated at the temple. She was greeted by two different prophets there. And one of them says, your heart is going to be pierced. You know, she probably pondered about that too. But she still gave herself fully to the work of God. So whether you're advanced in age, as Zechariah was, or you may think you've run your course, that's it. I've got nothing else to look forward to. Or whether you haven't even started out living like Mary. You're a young person. You, you, got the whole, you got your whole life ahead of you. God illustrates here that he wants to use you. That there's work to be done. Work he has set apart for you to do. But you don't need an angel to tell you that. You don't need an appearance of an angelic figure to tell you these things. Because Jesus already tells us in the scriptures that he has work for us to do that he prepared in advance. And so while we're living and looking forward to what 2022 could be, we have to be of the same attitude as Zechariah and Mary and consider ourselves humble servants. Let everything that you said, let everything happen to me. Let everything be done to me according to you. That should be our response in 2022 as we go out if you're young and you don't know what lies ahead, take heart. God can use some strong, young hands. God can use your energy, your enthusiasm to do amazing things. But you got to be open to whatever's coming your way. Forget about all the stress and all the other messages that this world so loudly is trying to tell you. They don't mean and don't amount to a hill of beans. Look deeply at the word of God. Because that's where you want to get your direction from. All of us here in God's kingdom are like a salmon swimming upstream. <laughs> We're not going with the flow of the world. We're going against it. And we have an, un, an otherworldly strength to help us guide us through. Think of that when you think of Zechariah and Mary. Because even though their world was, a, quote unquote, a religious world. They still were going to be swimming upstream against the stream, even in their own society, because of what God had ready for them to do. Jesus' gospel is where it all starts. Zechariah and Mary were called to be part of this good news, and it continues changing lives even 2,000 years later. Here now, here we are now in the year 2022. 2,022 years or such after Jesus' birth. One year closer to the big revealing of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not, not going to be a surprise for us. We know that because we want to be living like that until that day when he is revealed. He gave his life 
as an atonement for our sins, to make sure that our sins, our flaws, would not count on this judgment day. That is mercy. And he gave his life so that now we could have real life, a real life to live, a life that's going to continue even after death. And the way we become a participant in this good news is by following Jesus' example, denying the life that the world might want you to have. You know, even in Jesus' family, and we're going to examine these facts, God willing, as we go through the year, as we focus on the life of Christ, we're going to see how even Jesus in his own family was living between two worlds, as Michael was sharing with us. His brothers didn't believe him, and they thought that he was going a little cuckoo. And so even Jesus experienced that. But we, we have to die to self. We have to die to whatever it is that the world wants to make out of us. And instead, we want to give our heart and our mind to Jesus as Zechariah and Mary did. So I pray that as we go on 2022, derive your strength from God. I hope you started whatever plan was it that you decided to do yesterday. Uh, I know it caught me a little bit by surprise because I was like comfortable. Ah, it's the new year. Let me relax. Let me. Oh, wait a minute. I, I got to start my reading plan. And today, the second day of our plan. So God bless you. May you have a great, happy, and awesome new year. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.